Whoa, 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 what's up with it, y'all? It's beautiful to have y'all here with me. I appreciate you for your time, you know, because it's truly a valuable resource. I hope you think so, just like I do. And I can guarantee you that time here is time well spent. Today in the studio, I have Javon Johnson of Columbus State University's Career Development Center. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well. You know, just it's Friday again. You know, happy Friday to you. Hope you have a a, a good good Friday, good start to your weekend. You know, work life balance. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. I'm I'm doing my best, man. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, you know they always say, "Don't be like me, be better than me." I, I think about this philosophy of the work that I do. It's not to serve me, it's to serve the folks who come after me. Ooh. And so, you know, I want you to do better. You know, I'm trying to create this space for people to do better. Okay, so tell me about yourself, man. Tell me more about this work. Yeah. Who is Javon Johnson? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I can even describe who this person is because I'm still learning, I'm still growing, I'm still trying to figure that self out, you know, that, that meaning and that purpose. I think I have a, a good sense of where I'm headed. But, you know, the work that I do is to help people, help students more specifically identify their opportunities, their, their opportunities to live a professional life in their career, um, healthy, meaningful, purposeful. And I talked about progress a lot because, you know, I want to see folks grow. And if we aren't active in that process, we become a, a constant. We become comfortable with mm-hmm. um, the status quo and the and, and way things are. And so I always talk about with, with anyone I'm talking to, when you know better, you do better. And so I want people to really digest doing better. You know, our nation, the way we live, it can be better and it, and it should be better. And so, um, but I look at it from a lens of one's profession, one's work. Um, you know, we spend 60, 80 hours a week at a workplace. Uh, we should be doing that that fits our interests, that fits our strengths, um, and what is rewarding for that individual. And so that's that's the work that I do. I enjoy I enjoy seeing those those light bulb moments when you share knowledge and information and resources and connections and relationships uh, with others who need to who are looking to find their way too. So um, I've been in this work for about nine years now. And, uh, you know, just from all different angles, from working with folks with disabilities to working with, you know, as a contractor with uh, interns in, in college, uh, working with high school students, you know, it's, it's just been a really good good path. Um, you know, one that hasn't always been linear either, you know. Like you, I, mean, I worked in a lot of jobs, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's good for the background of work that I do. Right, right. You mentioned the status quo. What about that, like, rubs you the wrong way, and how are you challenging that in mm. your everyday life? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, my I believe that my existence is to challenge the mm. status quo, is to, again, go back into progress, is to help us be better. And so in my work, although it's not seen, which I'm okay with, because I, I sit in the background, I'm, love that space to help make change in the back. Um, 
But, you know, influencing policies, influencing procedures, perspectives on the lived experience of everyone, not just, you know, just me and, and what I went through, but helping folks sit at the table, helping bring that voice to it. And so, you know, I think when I learned about experiences from students, when I learned about experiences from, you know, the individuals who I'm working with, I oftentimes enter a space with that voice and with those experiences in mind. Because those are the things that oftentimes I want to have other folks learn from and share with. And so um, it's those stories. It's those that journey that, that you, you know, that oftentimes change the, the narrative. I just had a student actually come to me earlier today because we had a conversation back in February or earlier. It's still February, actually, um, about race at work. Yeah. And they asked me, you know, how do you sort of navigate and challenge others to begin to have these open conversations. And I talk about the relationships with your peers, the relationships that you that you have and sharing your particular experience with that person because when you begin to have that connection, they they take on your your pain, your suffering, your accomplishments and they oftentimes lead with that as well. And so mm-hmm. Challenging the status quo is, is sharing those those stories and those experiences to have others' people's perspective change about the way we live, the way we work, the way we play, the way we get angry, the way we get sad, and how we deal with it, cope with those things. And so at, at every point, everyone should be challenging the status quo <laughs> because to be comfortable is to be constant, you know, and, and to, you know, you have to go back to that quote of being better, man, and just... That's, that's all I want to do is to help folks help us be better. I like how you you have that desire to grow, and you know you can't grow unless you live in intention. Mm-hmm. You know, plants exist in that tension; they are being pulled down by gravity, but yet and still they're growing towards the sun somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very beautiful thing, and I'm seeing that's what I'm. That's the picture that's coming to my mind when I'm listening to you speak. So has this desire to challenge the status quo and exist in that tension contributed to you gaining or pursuing your master's degree and pushing yourself academically? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think that at that time in which I was doing those things that that was in mind. I think oftentimes, you know, we get into these routines and Mm -hmm. that's the routine that I sort of fell into um, because Really, I knew I could have stopped at high school, you know, to go and enter the workforce and live a meaningful life. I mean, to to have meaning is to be happy. And who's to say that the person at McDonald's is not happy? Who's to say that the cook at the cafeteria at CSU is not happy with their work? And I had to understand that for myself. And so the pursuit of my master's degree was basically moral uh, mm. to be to just know I can do it, to push myself to those limits and really to show my family that we can, you know, um, break this cycle of generational poverty and uplift each other through through our accomplishments and our success. And I think at that time, you know, I, I pursued education as a means to success. And now um, that success is, is definitely defined different by, by happiness and the work that I do. Um, gives me that happiness. So, Lovely, lovely. So from your perspective, what all does an undergrad student have to gain from pursuing a master's? 
knowledge, um, skills more importantly, because every opportunity is going to teach you something new. And if you can translate that new information, those new skills in a meaningful and powerful and impactful way to whomever you share it with, either it be family, a friend, a confidant, or, you know, employer, those are the things that get you further along your journey. You know, if you can, um, you know, craft your story and communicate it in a way that folks can uh, digest it and understand what you bring and what value you possess, that oftentimes those doors are wide open. And so when I tell students who are interested in pursuing graduate school, because I'm, I'm never going to push it, is to think about, you know, your long-term goals. One is the industry asking for you to have a master's degree. And two, if it is asking what type of master's degree, because there's different types of master's degrees that you can sort of pursue. But more importantly, um, what meaning does a master's degree hold for you in your life? Because when you get past a bachelor's degree, a master's is very, very specialized. It, it, it is a niche that you have to live and embody. And that's what I found in, in my master's degree. I was studying communications and, you know, really didn't, know where I wanted to to go with that. But when I started doing my research, I started, you know, my research project, my thesis project, I started to figure out what type of person or, or I started to figure out what idea do I want to pursue. And I, you know, like you said, you know, when you all in, you all in. And that's what happened. I went all in in this idea that I wanted to learn more about myself and how I am the person who I am. And the one thing that I land on was that one, a master's degree was not required, but two, um, the exploration of new knowledge, the concept to create new knowledge was interested to me. And so in my pursuit of that master's degree, I, the sole purpose was to one for moral and then two for, to, to gain new knowledge and to share and create new knowledge, to be an author of new information and new concepts. So, yeah, I share that with students. You know, don't don't always think that you have to go get a master's degree. Sometimes, especially now, our fields, the industry is changing to to not actually require those types of advanced degrees. And so, you have to really think about your purpose and if it's if it's aligned with that purpose. Can you impart some of the specialized knowledge that you were able to grasp and? expound upon through your master's degree program? Mm -hmm. Can you give me a taste of, of the, the work that you embodied? Mm -hmm. um, so in my master's degree, I studied how rap music particularly helps folks who look like me, black young men, negotiate who we are, our performance of who we are, and our relationship to others in terms of how we understand who we are and what we are. And those are through these three different things, our artifacts, the clothing, the style, the things that we possess, the language that we use and how we communicate that language, and then the understanding of the performance of how we actually embody and live out that. And so through that research, I found one that, you know, rap music in its form, in its, in its most widely consumed form, which is, you know, trap music or, you know, your radio music, it's very negative to, it, it presents a very negative lens to um, especially adolescents and youth 
because they don't deconstruct the messages within the rap music. They sort of take it and embody it. Mm. And those negative messages lead to negative actions, which then you create these stereotypes of man is violent, uh, women are E's and H's, um, and it's all about money and greed and power and respect. And so from that, you know, I took that sort of understanding and looked at the relationship itself with that you that you give to anything, your relationship that you have with your computer, the relationship that you have with that leather jacket, and started to become really a minimalist in that forms to start, you know, separating myself from the meanings and the artifacts and the messages and um and so for me I found a lot about who I am and that but also how I treat others. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have a very genuine open approach uh, to get to know you and your story. Um and I think those relationships are important because when you go to your faculty members, you know, you've been undergrad or, or, or graduate school to start start to cultivate those relationships mean that you have a pl- you come from a place of genuine like you you don't want anything from it but just the relationship and so I started to put more meaning in relationships with people not things I care about the life that we have the time that you spend with me with others than the things that you possess and so that research and that knowledge from my graduate school just you know I think helped me build better relationships with 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 my partners, with with my family, family came increasingly more important out of my master's degree program for real, for real. Although I did live um, in the Midwest for ten years, I knew in those ten years that family was all that I needed, and uh, we need to really survive and live a happy lifestyle. You need a supportive family, and so um, th- that that sort of nugget from my master's degree, and, and you got faculty that'll tell you that if you you know you got people that'll say. You know, you got to learn this and learn that. But I'm, I I came from the hood. You know, I, I was born in Atlanta, and I felt like I had more street smarts than book smarts. And I used that street smart in the in the relationship that I have to get where I wanted to go. That relationship with people open up those doors because they serve as advocates for you. They serve as resources for you. They talk to they talk about you when you're not even in the room. And so you have to build really great relationships. And those those who are pursuing a master's degree should, should think about, and I, and I share this with you, think about the faculty who are at those schools because those are going to be people who help you along the way. Mm. You said something very profound as far as your what your focus of your study and of your master's program mm-hmm. was. And... That's a concept that I think about a lot, the way that we use our culture to negotiate our position in this society. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's very interesting about it to me is that I'm thinking like a step above the a step above the narrative. Like, why is the narrative the way that it is? Like, why is it that this self-destructive attitude, why is it incentivized and totemized? Money. Yeah. Agreed. And that's the interesting thing. I wonder I wonder what it would take in order for us to incentivize self love and, and love for your fellow man and seeing that it's just self respect, self realization. You know, I wonder what it would take to get to that point. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I don't want to dismiss that it's not already happening. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen to albums of rappers, they're going to have a few songs that aren't mainstream, but they talk about the love that they have for women. They talk about the love that they have for their brother and their family members. It just takes those gatekeepers, those media conglomerates, those, mm-hmm. um, you know, CEOs. It takes the, the, those types of people to understand that money isn't the, isn't the root of why you should be pushing out this, but for the people who are actually consuming it and how they how you help them build better lifestyles how do you help them build community more importantly because music is a form of community that's how we Truly. how we speak how we come together it's it's the purest form of communication actually if you think back to and this is what my research focused on if you think back to even mankind when we first started we use music to communicate with other music, you know, drums and, and, and smoke signals to communicate to other communities far, far away from us because we didn't speak the same language. Mm-hmm. Um, and so music is that pure form. If you look at um, how we communicate, you know, you feel the music, you know, it, it gives you chills and bumps. And, you know, yeah. so it makes you happy and sad, you know. And so, and so yeah, I, I think, you know, those gatekeepers are, you know, your radio stations, you know, they want to play all the hits so that they can get more money because that's what drives the business. And and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if I had a business, yeah, I want to make money. And if that's my business, that's my line of work, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make money, you know. You know, that's interesting. Um, it, it reminds me of this, this verse that I heard somewhere. What's to gain when you do gain the world but lose your lose your soul you know i think that that's a um that's a sentiment that society this society as a whole or just humanity all as a whole is really lacking and um as far as i can see i don't know everything but just um from where i'm looking you know it's it's that empathy that's lacking in that like you said that that failure to realize the impact that this type of behavior and perpetuating it has on the effect that it has on the communities mm-hmm. that are consuming this content. Mm-hmm. Um, truly a profound area of study you got there. I've never really heard anybody that was studying that specifically. And mm-hmm. as, a, as a lover of music and a musician myself, I really appreciate it because the power of vibrations is something that truly needs to be respected. You know, just because it's something that can't be easily quantified mm-hmm. doesn't mean that that it's insignificant. You know, it's undeniable at the same time. Music will literally, if we were to play in this room, it would fill up the whole room, But and everybody would feel it, but nobody can see it. Mm-hmm. Some can see it, though. Mm-hmm. Some can see yeah. it. Um, no, but I want to share something. I think you said about some. sometimes often people, you know, sell their soul and lose themselves. And I don't think that's necessarily the case because nobody said you can't walk away from it. Nobody mm-hmm. said you can't, you know. I think it's the the... Again, the relationship to money. Yeah, yeah. That what keeps you there. Like, man, if I don't do this, then then what? Right? I mean, all of our rappers were making good music before they became mainstream. And at any point right now, they could walk away and, and still live a happy and healthy lifestyle. Right? Good, but they're tied. They have their relationship to the money. Those million-dollar checks. And I ain't never seen a million-dollar check. And I wish <laughs> today, I, I hope for the day I get one. You know, but, uh, but you know, I think... It's what you do with your voice and with that platform that that provides you that meaning and what you want to do and what you say. And so, you know, you don't have to be the mainstream rapper. You don't have to get a million dollar check 
to lose yourself mm-hmm. or to find yourself. Truly. I really appreciate that insight right there. And, you know, it's like you've learned so much through through educating yourself and through education through the school system. And you have found an amazing level of success through your work from my perspective. But along the way to now, what were the most significant obstacles you had to overcome during your undergrad and during your master's program? Yeah, man, that's a um, good question. What did I have to overcome in my undergraduate degree? Was myself. I think undergrad is is basically learning who you are. The knowledge is there. You know, the information is there. You can watch YouTube and learn that stuff. You know, it, it is it is easy. But mm-hmm. one thing about college is finding what you want to do and and your passions and your interests and exploring those. And in college, that's the one thing I did not know. I wasn't prepared for for exploring that because in grade school, uh, you were taught was you know science, mathematics. You weren't taught really how to be creative. You weren't taught how to explore your creative interest and, and your passions, and so I felt ill prepared going into going into um, college because, uh, and I remember this very vividly. Um, I was in twelfth grade, and we had to take at this time the standardized gra- Georgia graduation test called the GGT at the time. I don't think they do it no more, but at this time, um, you know, we had some teachers come in and they were you know telling us about this test, and <laughs> the one professor who actually. The teacher who came in, he was like, you know, this test is, we're in 12th grade. He said, you know, this test is actually 6th grade. And I was like, whoa, like, what What are you talking about? This is all new concepts to me. Like, I, it's not 6th grade. It's like 12th grade work. Yeah. And he was like, nah, you learned on a 6th grade level. You're in 12th grade. And so it taught me about these systems of inequality within the education system. And that I had to, you know, as they say, strap up your own bootstraps and learn the best of it but I wasn't the best undergrad student I was that student that said D's get degrees because degrees start with D <laughs> and so <laughs> I was always that you know because I really this is good I, I built very good relationships with faculty members and with my department chairs and you know as they say they pass me along you yeah. know and so that's when I learned that the degree really didn't matter at that point, it's just my name on it, and you conferred that I have these sort of qualifications to advance. And then what I felt that, you know, in my graduate school is that my undergrad ill-prepared me for graduate school because I knew nothing about research. I knew nothing about APA format. I knew nothing about citations, nothing when I got to my graduate school. So that learning curve was very steep for me. And it was actually the first time in my master's degree that I sat in a classroom with a white person. I sat in a classroom with a Latino person. I sat in a classroom with an Asian person. Because K through college, I was in all black schools. All black schools. Sat in all room for all black students. So there was no um, need to feel the stereotype threat that I felt in my master's degree. Mm-hmm. We were all, I seen us as all as equals. We learned all as equals. But when I got my master's degree and these folks were talking about all of these different, you know, factors and things. I was just like, whoa, like, I don't know any of that. And I went to my faculty advisor and I was like, hey, like, I don't know this stuff. I don't think I should be here. And he turned to me and he was just like, no, you need to be here because you don't know it. The lack of information is the opportunity to gain new information. And I sat there and I was just like, are you stupid? 
Like, I don't know what you talk about. But after digesting that meaning of the, the lack of information is the opportunity to gain new information is when I started to dive more deeper into what do I want to learn from this program? What do I want to gain from this? Not what they want me to know. Yeah. And so it changed my perspective on classes and, and especially thinking back to my undergrad degree. If I had to turn it around, I would definitely be focused on more of what I want rather than what they're telling me I need to have. And so... And so, yeah, that, you know, that those two experiences definitely helped me, you know, gain a better understanding and sense of the, the person that you see before you, the, you know, you say, you say the success and, and I appreciate that, you know, and, um, cause oftentimes I don't really know how to take, you know, um, those moments where people talk good about you. I just don't know how to really, you know, say thank you. I know that's the first thing, but, you know, after that, I'm just like, all right, yeah, I, I don't feel that successful, you know, there's. But then I'm going to have to compare myself to somebody else. Yeah. And so I don't need to do that. But just stay in my own lane, stay in my own vision, and, and pursue that path. It's interesting to hear you say that. Um, we are all living a subjective experience, and I try my best to unconditionally understand that, mm -hmm. um, and that you are me, I am you. We are just in different pieces of the universe experience in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, and recognizing that subjective nature of um of our existence um i'd like to pay attention to people's perspectives on on concepts like love happiness and success mm -hmm. you know and it's very interesting to me that you don't see yourself as that because you know i got some I, where i come from bro it's like you 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 wouldn't believe just how impactful your presence would mm -hmm. feel to my community and mm -hmm. And um, I'm pretty sure that it has been impactful to yours, but I understand the mentality of a perfectionist as well. Somebody that's constantly striving against themselves, you know, like trying to be better than who you were yesterday. Like you said, my homie told me he was like, B, man, you causing problems. You know, you causing problems by looking for something to be wrong every day so that you can continue to improve. And I mean, it's admirable, but when he told me that I started to have an existential crisis, it's like, what? I ain't making no problems, <laughs> you know, like trying to be like trying to fight uh, against it. But, but, but the, the, the idea that he, I think, is more talking about is this concept of, of problems. And I read this book. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a... Subtle Art of... Yeah, The Subtle Art of Not yeah, Giving a... Mark Manson. Yeah, yeah that's a classic, classic. And he, he broke it down. He's like, every day you wake up, you your, your goal is to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. and And so we have to think about problems as being good right. um, to help solve. And so, but I think, you know, I want to go back to your, you know, mention about, you know, being successful, or, you know, being an example to the community. And, um, and, and on that note, you know, I think about you know, the McDonald's worker who is happy. That's a model. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That is a example. Um, we call them the junkies on the street, they, you know, that's a that is a, a a person who is has um has some meaning some purpose some some life some lived experiences that we can learn from everybody can learn from everybody you know our level of success is not determined by the position i hold the the attributes or accolades that i've collected the the money i made which is nothing um you know all those things can be taken away from you I could lose my job tomorrow. 
I could lose all my money in my house. I could lose that stuff tomorrow. But they can't take away this pride. They can't take away this joy. They can't take away my lived experience. They can't take my knowledge. And they can't take the fact that I can share that with you and show and everybody else mm -hmm. so that we can be better. Man, he came ready to spit. <laughs> he came prepared. I love it, man. I love it. So this, this is very interesting. That relationship to just education and self-education, self-expression, connection is so important. And it seems like you take control of it all and you own it. You feel me? And to. things like this click for people. So what advice do you have for people who might, for some people who might have trouble or have a, a difficult relationship with school, education, or just creating those relationships? Mm -hmm. One, I mean, you, know, you can't control every aspect. So I, I live by this, you know, I, I put meaning to things that I can control, those things that I cannot control. I lose all association with, mm -hmm. like, like my house. I don't care about the house. It just provides me the shelter, you know. Um, and so I think you have to, one, understand, be be self-aware, right? That's, that's more importantly, be, be self-aware of who you are and what do you want to gain. And then start pursuing that, whether or not you or, some, or whether or not someone else think that that is right or wrong or good or bad. That's your purpose in life, right? That's your meaning that you make. And so not to say that their opinions don't matter, you just take it with a grain of salt. This, this is just one person's opinion of the life that I'm trying to live for myself and how I think one, I can be better and I can do better. Um, and so, that you know, I think with being self-aware, it, it is going to guide you. And do know that your self-awareness is going to fluctuate. Your values are, are, are fluid and they change over time and they change within circumstances, actually. And so what you say today about what you think is important is definitely going to change tomorrow depending on what situation that you see yourself in. And so, um, and then we, you know, the second advice is find love. Find love in the things that you do because that's what's going to make you happy and that's what's going to make you successful. Um, as a lot of people talk about, they love what they do and they see success in it because they don't define it by these sort of tangible items. They define it by um, the, the experience and the impact that they have had or will have. And so that love and happiness uh, and success are sort of synonymous in terms of the self-awareness. Yeah. And then, you know, you just have to truly go after it. You know, it. It is easy to say, hard to do, because we live in these sort of conditions that create these barriers for us to achieve what we do. But like, I'll, like everybody say, there's always an alternative. There's always a workaround. And you just have to be willing to learn that workaround and pursue that workaround. What about for you, though? I mean, you talk about love and happiness. How do you define those things? What does success look like for you? Is it money? Is Not it at fame? all. You know, success to me is leaving a significant impact in every interaction, relationship, or situation I involve myself in, you know. So, and in that impact is defined by me, and by and it's going to be measured. I'm an all or nothing type of guy, you know. So I know that anything I involve myself in, I'm either going to be all for it or I'm be like, man, whatever, you know. So it's like, with that being said, success to me is like 
seeing those seeds grow, you know. It ain't got n- n- nothing to do with money, fame. <sighs> I could care less about applause, you know. Um, I wanna, I like to see the essence of things, and so I want the, I want my essence to be unforgettable, not Bryant, mm. not the drive, not, not, not the vehicle, Bryant, the, the driver of that vehicle. I want that to be unforgettable. Mm. I want that to be a. Uh, a, a beautiful aroma that lingers in every room, situation, relationship that I involve myself in. You know, that's success to me. Yeah. And um, that, uh, I, I'm happy to say that I have been very successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, success is a journey. Oh, yes. It's not a destination. It's not something that you achieve overnight. It's the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the good and bad. Um but you'll never, in terms of success, you know, which oftentimes, you know, dies off after you die. Mm-hmm. But you'll never go to a funeral where they talk bad about a person. I ain't never been to a funeral where they talk bad about the person laying in that casket. Yeah. Right? They're going to always talk good things about you. And so that 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 success is, um, is measured, you know, as you talked about, you know, the aroma that you that you leave behind that, that you know, people can feel and smell and, and remember you by. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting, man, that you, and I appreciate you sharing that because everybody's definition of success is different. And as far as love goes, like I said, I think that's like a friend of mine told me something beautiful. Um, her name means, her name means manifestation of that, which is too sacred to be spoken. Beautiful name. I ain't even going to say it because, I mean. <laughs> I, I want to know the name. No, no, nah, <laughs> nah, we going to leave it a mystery. <laughs> but it's like she said something so profound to me when I asked her what love was. She said, and I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not, this isn't verbatim, but she said, love to me is the unconditional understanding that you are me and I am you living a subjective experience. And like, you know, going into situations with that kind of attitude, it it, it allows you to to flow, flu- be fluid in your interactions with people and not try to control it because that's not, even though you are, there is no separation, mm-hmm. you know, there is separation. <laughs> you know, it's a contra- it's the fundamental contradiction <laughs> and the unconditional understanding part is really the most significant to me. So talking about journeys and how love is love and success are a journey that never end. What would you say to the younger self of you <laughs> if you could speak to him right now? What would I say to my younger self? My dad on my, I think, 20th birthday, he sent me a card. My dad is not a lovey-dovey type of person. I can I can count on my hands how many times my dad told me he loved me. Because mm-hmm. he... I always said that you should know it. I don't have to say it. Sometimes people need to say it though, you know, so they can feel it. Yeah. But he sent me this birthday card with a picture of me when I was like five years old. I had to be like five, six, seven years old, whatever. And on the side of the the birthday card in this picture, it said to never lose the kid in you. That that person that you know doesn't think about the consequences in the moment, but think about the happiness that you find by participating in that act, the joy and the laughter and the, the things that you, the bruises that you make, you know, mm-hmm. those are all the 
the meanings and purpose that you make. And so, um, you know, my dad, I, I would take that advice, you know, and, and to say, don't lose the kid in you. Don't lose that that spirit to explore and, and feel and hurt and, and grow. Um, because those are the things that we all share as humans. Whether our experience look different, we all feel and, you know, our senses are still the same. Um, and so flesh and blood, you know, it may be, it may be a different color, you know, it, it may operate a little different, um, but those those things, those senses that we have are, we all feel them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We all made of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So what do you think young Javon would say to you if he saw you right now? That is a very good question, which is opposite of what we just talked about. I was thinking of me and myself, but uh, you did a hell of a job. That's what he would say. You did a hell of a job because you know there's just been moments where, if I look back, I know I had a lot of doubt on on myself and where I was going and headed just because of the things that I was doing, um, hanging with the the crowd just because they were the crowd to be around and not the crowd that I need to be around. Um, and so, um, yeah, he'll say, what a hell of a job you've done and in crafting who you are and what you want to do and the impact that you make. It's always beautiful to hear. So we've talked about the tough parts of education, the challenges and what you take away from it. But at the end of it all, what is the most memorable experience from your undergrad and from your master's program? What has really stuck with you? For my undergrad, it would be um, the moment I graduated because it was just surreal. I never thought I would get that far. Family never thought I would get that far. I got kicked out of middle school, so they always thought I was just going to go into the work or you know, do whatever. But yeah, that 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 was a surreal moment to know I had achieved what W.E.B. Du Bois talked about with the talented tenth. I had hit that top ten percent of Black folks who are now educated and can speak the language of all. You know, they say talk with kings and not lose the common touch. And so that's what you know I I I um I took away and and it was so you know profound for me in that moment because that degree had although it was just a, a piece of paper, um, it had taught me a lot about the stamina that I have, the strength, the courage, and the path that I can do, the things that I can things that I can do, the path that I can go. And I think I would say the same. I would say getting admitted into Iowa, uh, to graduate school at Iowa State University was that defining moment because I didn't think that I would be able to get there either to um, – have someone pay full ride for me to pursue an advanced degree was like, well, like, uh, are you like, is this is this letter real? Like, should I be, should I call you and say, hey, this was this a mistake? Yeah. Um, and so once I knew that it was real, when I when I came, I had flew up for my interview, which I had already been admitted, but you just go up to do your interview just to. Get your classes scheduled and all this other stuff. When I came back from the interview, I had in my mind I was all in. I was like, I am going to do this. Like I am about to pack up my things and move a thousand miles across the country 
in the middle of nowhere where I know no one, not one person that I know in Iowa. I mean, moved to Des Moines, Iowa. I didn't know what Iowa was on a map before I even got it set. I was like, wait, let me pull this up on Google. And I looked it up. Seriously, I did. And I was like, hey, this is. And and so from that time, from that moment where I said I was all in, I was all in. I was like, I'm about to go. I need to. And I and I think is, and I don't regret it because when I chose, made that decision, I knew at that moment I was growing. I knew at that moment I was about to be a changed man that my folks ain't gonna never see and never witness again. And I hear that all the time. They're like, "Boy, you don't you don't think the same. You don't dress the same. You don't act the same." And I said, well, "Isn't that growth? Isn't that what I was supposed to do? Like go out and explore and gain this different knowledge and perspectives and bring it back to the community to share and say, hey, we can do this. Like, there's models out here that we can replicate, and we can we can be successful on our own. And so." Yeah, graduation from undergrad was a surreal moment, and getting admitted to graduate school was a surreal moment for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you've imparted me with such wisdom, so many um, beautiful experiences, man. Another thing my friend told me was that at the core of wisdom is the ability to overcome self-deception. You see yourself very clearly, so clear that you don't know who you are, and you realize that you are learning more and more about self every day. If that's not um, seeing past self-deception, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. So with all of this gold and all of these gems you've dropped on the studio floor, you feel me? Um, is there anything else that you would like to leave the listeners with? Yeah, I, I think in this time right now, we live in a hypersensitive world uh, you know, from just identities to wealth disparities to health disparities. It, it is everything is so sensitive. Everything, every topic, every conversation is so sensitive. And I challenge all of all of us to just be one open to hearing other people's perspectives, open to listening to other people's experiences, even if they don't seem to align with your values and vision. Like that person had a life. That person had a had an experience that you haven't seen, you know, and, and, and heard of. And so to be open to just listen and and to be open to sharing your experience, be vulnerable in that process is is something that I encourage. And more importantly, be yourself. There ain't no time than now to just be yourself. Act the way you want to act. Talk the way you want to talk. With reason. I'm going to say that. You don't want to be disrespectful. But if you approach it with good intentions and with an open mind and open heart, man. Again, going back to those relationships, man. You form powerful relationships that you change hearts and minds across the country, man. And so being authentic and being open is is, is what we need right now, you know, to to battle all of the, the things that we're trying to accomplish in this world. Man, just leaving me speechless over here. I don't like it. You don't like it. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing such an important story and talking to me. Yeah. Absolutely. And y'all heard it I here it first. Is. You heard it here. Listen to yourself. You know, love yourself and be yourself. What more is there to do? How could you do less?
said it good, man. Take care of that one. Yeah. Take care of that album. Changed my life, man. Real talk. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Once again, we've had this has been Javon Johnson and Bryant with you. And you already know it's always coming from a place of love. And we hope you find your way back. And with that being said, love and life. Take care. Uproar Radio is produced with the cooperation of the student staff at WCUG Cougar Radio and the CSU Department of Communication. Thanks to Department Chair Dr. Dana Gibson and WCUG Faculty Advisor Dr. Bruce Getz for their help in airing this show. Brian Creeks Jr. produced this episode and editor this week is show. Operations Director of WCUG Cougar Radio is Sho Urakawa. Our Programming Manager is Lewis Myers. Marketing Manager is Logan Swaim. Our Production Manager is Austin Slocum. You can listen to this show and more online by searching for our call letters, WCUG. Thanks for listening to this episode of Upper Radio.